0: Before we begin the episode, I would like to thank our sponsor, Field Queens, an Irish-owned GEA and Leisurewear brand created by two inter-county players, Una White and Ola Duff. The girls have put aside their inter-county rivalries to create Ireland's first-ever GEA glove, specifically designed and tailored fit to the female hand. Field Queens are empowering future generations and offer a 15% team discount on gloves and are proud to be stocked in 10 stores nationwide. Having only started this venture in 2021, they have steadily grown their product line to include their original Emperor gloves, bobble hats, snoods and water bottles. They have also just announced their brand new blackout glove which are now available to buy on their website feelqueens.ie You can find out more information on their social media at feelqueens which will be linked in the description box below. welcome back to the Sideline Live podcast. You can follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at the Sideline Live. We'd love to hear you. On episode 92, I'm Judge Bajoyma, our senior ladies footballer and 2020 All-Star Blahin Mackin. On this episode, we discuss her career, playing multiple positions, structured football, underrated skills, and so much more. I thoroughly enjoyed chatting with Blahin, so I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks a million for joining me on the podcast.
1: No, rather nice to be here.
0: Before we get into everything, would you mind giving a quick 30 second intro to listeners who might not know here?
1: Yeah, I'm Brian Mackin, a uh, current fuffler for RML Ladies and Shane O'Neill's in Camlough is my club.
0: Very good. There's four years uh, involved in inter county setups. What's what's in the water down in your house?
1: Oh, god, <laughs> not the, the, the might be stronger than water. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, there are four of us at the minute and then two older sisters as well. So very good. For you,
0: yeah. For you starting out, what who were the big influences? Obviously your older siblings, but who kind of put the ball in their hands and obviously were your parents heavily involved in sport?
1: Yeah, well, um my dad is this is where his home village like, so his club has always been Sheila Nails and he's heavily involved in our club. He was the chairman for a few years and stuff and mummy um wouldn't have been involved as Gaelic as much in her youth. Um, but she slowly got into it then once she started going with daddy, I think. Um, and she's always sort of been into sport as well and quite athletic and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so more both of them sort of have uh, been pushing us on in all sports, like they would have pushed us on in soccer and Gaelic and everything, like you know. So it just happened to be that we all fell in love with Gaelic more so.
0: That's something I've noticed with yourself and Amy. Your games are very. I can I can tell there's a bit of soccer influence there. How important is it to play multiple sports growing up and not specialize early, from your perspective as a player?
1: I think it's I think it's the best thing for kids. I always any parents or that or that I'm speaking, I'm like get them into everything. You know, what's the best thing for them. You learn skills. And it's the same even with younger players that I notice that maybe play soccer or netball or, you know, stuff like that there, any other sport really, you can sort of sense to just bring a different dimension then into the sport. So like the netball players, they bring in the traits that they're learning netball into Gaelic and it's the same with soccer players that sometimes soccer players can bring a wee bit of skill or like flair into their um, Gaelic game. And you've seen it with men's players as well, like, down through the years and um, so yeah I would always say definitely promote it and do it as long as you can like obviously there there definitely comes a point where it's not sort of viable just because you once you get older it's not possible to give 100% everything and that was the way it worked for us but as long as you can keep it up because it all it all crosses over and it all helps out with the other sports
0: mm-hmm. what stood out for Gaelic football for you then why did you commit to to Gaelic football
1: I think it was sort of the the club plays a big part in that. Like your club is your family, it's your village, it's all of that sort of thing. So I you don't find that as much sort of in soccer, or well, I didn't find it as much in soccer, like anyways. Um, but definitely, yeah, the the club played a big role in that and wanting you to be there. And I think it is sort of like the it's the Irish sport it's all that there it was just always the love for it was more so there and I can't really pinpoint exactly why but I would say it's down to the community feel and the support you get from it like you know in everything you do I'm lucky enough that of such a sportive club and a sportive county that no matter what trouble anybody's in there's always somebody there for you like
0: mm-hmm. when I was doing a bit of research for the episode I was interested to hear that your club the ladies section was only kind of set up when you were kind of coming through those underage ranks
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, So a wee bit maybe older than me, so probably more around Amy's run, but yeah, but two years ahead of me. So we all just sort of played boys and then it got to Amy's age. There was a good few girls on that boys team and obviously after under 12, you can't play under 14. So they decided, you know, we have enough people here, we have enough girls, we can finally start a girls team sort of thing. So yeah, it was a wee bit later, um, but just down to the fact that we didn't, have the numbers until um until the sort of age around emies seemed to have loads of girls so then they started it and the manager peter lynch then he he ended up taking it by by an accident he went down to the agm to take the under 12 boys team i remember him telling us and it was him and brendan mcguire and the club were like we're setting up a girls team this year and that's it and Somebody just turned around and goes, Peter, you managed girls when you you were in America, didn't you? And he goes, yeah, I did. Right, you're the manager. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't didn't get what he intended for, but I think in the long run it worked out very well for Peter. He took us right up to senior then from that under-12 team. He took us right up and got us into the senior championship and a couple of Ulsters and All-Ireland finals along the way. So he was... He's probably glad he took it in the end. <laughs> <laughs> it worked out well because I saw yeah. it there.
0: It was something like 27 championship uh t- like titles since he since you started the lady section. I like, yeah. unheard of.
1: Yeah, no, like and you know like not all of them are obviously senior, definitely not in underage majority of the time it would have been division one, but we got up to senior and obviously junior was in there, intermediate was in there and stuff like that there. And yeah, no, like only for Peter that wouldn't have happened and I would say he wasn't there for every single one of them championship ones, but he was there. He would have been the manager for a yeah, majority of them, which is unheard of as well. And we are so lucky to have him. Um, and he's actually back with our club this year. So, yeah, no, um, it was a good run. And we're a while now without Silverware. So, Okay. again. <laughs> okay, very good.
0: I was interested to hear, um, I played underage with boys up to the under 12 as well. And it was always that funny kind of, when you step onto the pitch it's like oh, I'm not marking the girl and then you give them a big shoulder and they're like oh or whatever yeah. There there's a great story I think you were saying about Amy they all said oh let Amy take the panels. Yeah. How did, how did you find work uh, playing with the boys and do you think there's it's great that those girls team have been set up but is it still important for girls to play with boys do you think?
1: Yeah like I think as long as the physical side isn't too much. Like it does come to an age until you get to a certain age, there's no difference in physicalities. And that's why, that is why girls are allowed to play up until that point, because then obviously it's just natural that boys tend to get bigger and girls don't get as big. So until the physical side changes, I think it's brilliant for girls to play with boys, not for any other reason than it obviously allows that tackle, it allows that strength. And ladies' football doesn't allow that. At the minute and probably will never, but it does definitely allow you to get into the nitty gritty sort of and it helps you, even though ladies is non-contact, it's sort of playing with the boys helps you get in for the dirty ball. Like there, there is still that aspect in the ladies and the boys playing with the boys can only help you. And it is just the fact that what I know from having brothers, they're just in general they're a wee bit harder and I know what it was like playing with my brothers compared to me. playing with the my sisters at any age. It was just, they really went at you sort of thing. So yeah, I think it, it can only help and like the skill level obviously brings you on another wee bit as well, just playing with the boys. So yeah, no, definitely, I think it's great and as I say, play as much as you can when you're that age. So if there's a girls team, yeah, play for the girls, but if there's a boys, play for, with the boys as well. Like, yeah we we try to promote it in our club and anybody that sort of wants to we tell them to go with the boys as well as the girls until like the under 12 sort of age
0: you're definitely throwing a few big shoulders then where you're underage I'm getting that vibe well I don't know
1: <laughs> I might have got hit a few shoulders but uh, I don't know how good I would have been at giving them
0: <laughs> for you Brian what age did you realize that you had the talent um to make it to the inter-county stage was it around the teenage years where what kind of stage were you at then
1: yeah, I suppose like I've been on Arma setups from under 14 sort of thing. Um, so, so basically I was sort of into Arma whenever I was under 14 and it was development squad. So I've been lucky enough that I would have got picked for them and I got taken in for them and it it only benefited because it was extra training, it was extra coaches. You're playing with guys from different clubs um so I don't know if I sort of realized I definitely didn't realize I was good enough at that age you were just sort of at that stage you're too young to even think about that you were just going to play football and even when you got to minors and that and even now like I don't think anybody I don't know I personally don't think I'm not that I'm obviously playing it but I still don't think Oh, I'm brilliant like just because I play for Armagh it's just more of a sense of going and feeling lucky that I've been picked and like grateful obviously for the opportunities because it's such a it is such an honour but um, I I don't know when I personally realised but I would have been in Armagh from yeah under 14s until now.
0: Okay, very good. You've mentioned practice and, and getting so much football in as much as you can in a, a lot a lot there. How often did you practice outside of team sessions, and how often did you emulate the players you would have watched, whether it was on TV with your senior club team with the guys? Um, how, how much did you practice in the back garden and who did you try emulate?
1: Um, well, probably nearly all the time. Like we would have been out, to, not necessarily always been geared, but we were always playing a sport. Like you know, that was just the thing. Like it was. When the tennis, when Wimbledon was on, you're right in the gar- garden playing tennis. When whatever was on, you're right copying it, you know, that sort of way. Um, we all The Olympics, you would have been out trying to do everything, you know, that sort of way. Um, but, yeah, no, we would have always had a ball in our hand nearly at all times. You're always out practicing in the garden, obviously, with my brothers and sisters. Um, And then, yeah, training-wise, like, you would have, Daddy would have coached a team, and you would have been just following him around, the coaching like down at the pitch just to play and it would have been minor boys and you might have only been about 10 years of age. Like but you were you just wanted to be there to follow them around and just you know just copy them. So um yeah and it would have been like a lot of the time yeah we would have been training but the main ones probably that we try to copy in the garden were the Armagh O2 team obviously because they were like the best thing ever when we were younger. So like the goals they would have scored um, I remember Dad and Amy sort of copying them in the garden and, you know, you had the likes of Osh McConville and Ronan Clark and stuff and that team that would have scored on real goals um, and Stephen McDonald. So you would have been trying to copy them sort of boys, and even now as you get older, like, you still look at things that people do and you're like, goodness, I want to do that or could I try to do that? Like even David Clifford there with the bounce, like you're always learning. So I think it doesn't stop as you get older. Like you see that there, well, I know I do. And mainly we were down practising it. We were just having a kick about it. Like just because it's constant, the the progress is constant like so yeah from a young age you're sort of doing that and yeah it doesn't stop like
0: brilliant yeah what I love about yourself and Amy's game and a lot of there's a particular bunch of players I love watching in the ladies game is they have this flair are we do you think we're losing that a little bit in game football through the men's and women's game is it becoming too structured are we losing that kind of flair off the cuff like I know last year you went on this blistering solo run through the whole defense like are we are we losing that that kind of flair for the game is it becoming very structured from your point of view what do you think
1: yeah I think like some people could like um have that opinion could understand how they have opinion but I think the way the game is going it is a lot about keeping possession because if you have possession the other team can't score obviously and I think it's not completely like I know when we're told it is about the percentages so if you can do it and it's on go for it but if it's not completely on, and if it's not within your range, if it's not within your ability, you know you need to sort of be smart. Like not everybody can do what David Clifford can do, or not everybody can do what you know Caroline Hanlon can do on our team. So it, it sort of as much as it can be seen as being a bit more structured. It's sort of sticking to your strengths. Like you know I I can't do what our fullback can do. You know so I'm not gonna as much I can try practice practice practice. I'm probably not going to do exactly what she could do or see him. She can't do what our full forward can do. She's not going to come run up this pitch expecting to score a goal in top corner. Do you know? So it's, it's not so much about losing the flair of it. It's sort of about the percentages and the decision making. Like, And I think that's, what's come into the game a lot more is that people are really focusing on the stats, which is brilliant because it's only going to progress the game. But I think, it, yes, it can be seen as taking the flur out of it, but more so just doing what's right in that moment and your decision-making for the stats. Because when you look at the stats, it's like, well, that's what's going to win us this game, not one wonder point by one player. Do you know that sort of way? Um, so, yeah, that would be my opinion of it. But I, I think... You're still given, well, I know within any team I've ever played on, you're still given the freedom to be like, go, especially in the forwards more so because it is more, that's where more of the sort of fancy stuff sort of happens more so. Um, But yeah, I think you're still given the freedom to do it, but at the same time, not at the expense of trying this wonder goal and losing it and the other team going down the pitch and getting a goal. So it's just the competitiveness of the game at the minute. I think you can't afford to do something flurry if it doesn't work out because then it just looks silly and that's it. If it works out, you're the best in the team. If it doesn't work out, you just look stupid standing there. <laughs>
0: that you know what? That's actually a really good way of looking at it is that structured approach. Do you think that's the biggest evolution you've seen in the ladies' game is this you could call it professionalism coming in where the stats with the possession people giving out it's like a soccer match or a basketball match but is that the biggest evolution you've seen from watching um, games when you were younger to now playing in senior inter-county football?
1: Yeah and I think anybody who sort of watched even way before I was born the game was like it has changed so much like you know before I was born it was just a Hit and hope. It was just a big click then. It moved into sort of more skill level. We got better and stuff like that there. And now obviously we see in like sort of the Donegal era, the men's era sort of brought in the sort of keep ball sort of style on teams. Even made ladies like, you know, the defensive system and stuff like that there. Like you've seen it throughout the codes. Um, and I think, yeah, it can be seen as the biggest evolution maybe because people are seeing it as slowing it down. But it is sort of like, Teams, not even, not necessarily weaker teams at all. But if that's how you need to win in All Ireland, if that's what you have to do to win yourself in All Ireland, you're gonna do it. Like, and I wouldn't blame anyone for doing it ever. Because at the end of All Ireland, All Ireland, nobody's used to get there. Um. So yeah, no, I think, I think people obviously have their different opinions on it, but. I think if it's if it's like, you don't want a game going 1-0, like that's like, that sort of game, but I think initially the fear was people were saying they're just going to sit back and not attack, but now you've seen it fitness levels have increased so much and the, people's physical abilities have increased so much that as much as teams are sitting back, the pace that they're breaking forward at now is, is insane, like so it's, um, it's not about sort of, right, we'll just try and not let them score it's sort of get them on the counter-attack as well and that's what me ladies done last year like you know it wasn't as if they did cramp out your forward line but they also broke a pace and got up the field whenever they were up the field so you know it's it can be tough to play against i will not lie and it's uh, obviously that's what they're trying to do and any team you play against in men's or women's, that's what they're trying to do. They're not going to make it easy for you. Um, And sometimes it mightn't be a great watch for people, but um, if it's done with good intensity and fit enough people, it's always going to be a good sort of structure. And I don't think it's slowing it down because people have got so fit that it doesn't, it's not as if they get the ball back and they just stand still around the midfield line anymore. They sort of do try to go and, go for it as well
0: I'm definitely speaking to a future pundit or uh, or manager <laughs> I think here um what, I can you, know. <laughs> uh, who out of interest to, uh, you mentioned me there are even individuals players you mentioned David Clifford as well do you enjoy just sitting down to watch a game where you constantly kind of analyzing what are they doing who what, what's that kind of move there
1: no like I do like sit down and rejoin nearly every single game but you know when there is moments of like David Clifford, pure class or whatever, and there's different, many players do it throughout the men's and women's game, then you sort of are like, oh my goodness, like you do notice the things as well. I think as a current player, I think any current player sort of does it and any game you watch, you're sort of like, if it's a completely different system or it's a completely, you know, not out of the ordinary system, you do notice just because you're sort of like, well, could that work for us? Do we need to do more of that? Like, is that what's affecting our game from progress and sort of thing? So you do be looking at it constantly when you're watching football as like, what are they doing? Maybe not that we're not doing or necessarily, but more what are they doing that could make us better sort of thing? Or if it's a particular player, what are they doing that can make me better sort of thing? Um, so yeah, you do constantly be analyzing it, but I think that's just as a current player. And I think the house that I'm in, I think we're all sort of, uh, Analyzing constantly, you know, sitting out with sweets, chocolate sweets as players, and lining out a full team and setting Word out it. systems and stuff like that. There, so I think, yeah, I think it's just the house that I'm in and the family that I have, where that's the way we are.
0: That's a good point. Yeah, ed of interest, you mentioned it previously as well. The tackle. Uh, kind of become this big debate in ladies football as a current player I'd love to get your view on, on what you make of the tackle what you'd like to see would you like to see a change would you like to see more definition brought in uh, what would you like to see with it
1: yeah I think it is a hard one because obviously in the ladies game it's it's stated as non-contact but obviously that that's never really gonna happen fully no matter how you tackle somebody with the ball you're gonna contact them somehow Um so I think The way we're doing it, if if you can do it perfectly, the way the rules fit the tackle is sort of an easy tackle to do sort of thing. Um, I personally, with the strengths and the physical capabilities that ladies are starting to sort of form now and the strength and conditioning side of it coming in way more, I think there should be a wee bit more of an allowance because it's going to be a wee bit more hard-hitting. It's going to be that there whenever the players themselves are sort of growing and building. And, yeah, I think in the same sense, some rules could be a wee bit clearer. I think that's the same across the men's and women's. And obviously, different people have different interpretations for rules. So it is just about trying to get them more precise to make life easier for the refs because sometimes they are hard ones to call In terms of like um the one the one that's most difficult in the ladies' game, I think is the charging rule. It's like who has the advantage, who should have the advantage, what like I personally think if you're standing still and you just sort of fall back, it's for the person on the ball, it's very hard to move just that quickly. And you know, you're not intentionally ramming into somebody, but um, it happens because somebody just stops dead in their tracks right in front of you and it looks really bad and you are going through them but also for the person on the ball it's very hard to adjust your feet when somebody just stops dead in front of you so that's probably the main one, the charging one would be one that could not even be locked at, just be sort of more key on for ref, like cleaned up on, sorry um, for referees and for players just so you know exactly what you can and what you can't do but uh, yeah, the main thing I would say would be maybe try to bring a wee bit of physicality into it more like allow a wee bit more and um, which a lot of refs do because I think they understand that it can't be zero contact in the nature of the game but um, it is just sort of maybe adding it in a wee bit more just because the strength and the fitness of girls is just getting better and better and better so. You may as well use them things if you're training them. Do you know that sort of way?
0: Yeah, exactly. I think, it, as, as you said, like I've mentioned this a couple of times in this podcast, was the tackle. And even nothing to do as a player, but as a referee, the job is a lot easier then because it's more defined. And I think, I don't know what you thought about the final last year at Mead in Dublin, but I thought it was the best ladies football game I've probably ever watched because there was, he let, he let that physicality go and I thought it made for a great game. It was really competitive and it was a great advertisement because at the end of the day, we want more people playing and watching ladies football.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I agree with you. And the best games I've ever played in is um, whenever the ref does let a wee bit go. We had our semi-final against Leash and it was a wee bit of, um, a wee bit sort of, I don't even know the word I'm looking for. <laughs> I, I know
0: what you're saying though, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, no, it was, um, you were sort of getting to know each other basically. And <laughs> um, it was a wee bit more physical probably than any other game that I was playing in and the referee he done a great job of managing it and it was the same referee in our league final as well and it was the same he managed it enough that it didn't get out of hand but also it let the game flow and i think that's the most important thing is you don't want to let something go so much that it does go out players starting to get injured because obviously the referee is responsible for players sort of safety in regards to that but also yeah to get a free-flowing game and as you say the final like you know it's sort of it's such a better watch it's a quicker game it doesn't slow it down as much and stuff like that there so yeah it, I think definitely just sort of get the rules nearly obviously there's always interpretation but nearly perfect so that the referees have an easier job and the players can sort of go out and play and use all the attributes that we're working on sort of thing. Ed
0: mm-hmm. Avengers, this has come up a lot. Um, What would you think is kind of the underrated skill in the game at the moment? Is there anything we're overlooking, maybe for any coaches or younger players listening that are trying to practice and improve? Is there anything that we're kind of not maybe looking at enough at at this at the moment?
1: Um, The main skill that I always say when I'm coaching is both feet, both hands, um, practice them from a young age. And anytime I go out and coach a session, I have them using both sides because it's the hardest thing to mark. It's the best quality to have, you know, for a player who can go off both sides, they're so unpredictable. They're, you don't know what they're going to do next. They You can't sort of, you can't just say, get them on that side, because they'll just go and put it to the other side. So, um yeah I think that would be the main thing and it may not be necessarily overlooked but I think um yeah that's the most important one definitely do
0: you think it's gotten to the stage or maybe not yet but I think over the next couple of years is that having both sides is going to be kind of like a non-negotiable to play senior intercounty county football
1: yeah yes and no it could be if uh, if the younger generation keep doing it I've seen girls at 12 year, years of age, you have a better left foot than me. Um, do you know? And it, it could be if, if as a whole, if coaches and players as a whole sort of buy into it, like, you know, then, then you see maybe other ones that you ask them to do their weaker foot and they just sort of look at you and they keep going with the other foot, you know, just because they don't want to even try it. Like, do you know, so yes, it could because coaches are trying their best to teach it. It's just a matter of if, um, players sort of take it on board and stuff like that there, which which can be difficult whenever your kids are younger and stuff like that there and maybe they just don't want to try the hard stuff. Um but definitely, yeah, because some majority are doing it, I think if you don't do it, you're going to be sort of seeing yourself a wee bit behind. But then at the end of the day, if somebody has, you know, a left foot like Colin Cooper, they're not going to be left off the panel because they can't kick with the right foot. But I I do agree that a lot more people are doing it definitely than whenever I was younger. Like, I don't, my coach maybe did tell me and I probably was the one that didn't listen, but I don't remember very much doing it when I was younger. I think, yeah, it's definitely, definitely moving that way.
0: When you go down to the pitch um, at the moment, I know probably hard in season, but what do you practice uh, when you're going down? Is there any particular uh, routine or drills or anything that you, you practice that you find helpful?
1: Um, Like, it is hard when obviously you're in training to get down to the pitch as much but in season sort of most of the time I go down I would work on my shooting or out of season maybe if I went down I would sort of work on longer balls in like as if there was a forward sort of inside and where you're putting it you have to sort of pretend that they're running free and stuff like that there. but a lot if I went down to the pitch on my own it would be mostly on my kick pass and shooting and um, that sort of thing and again it would be off both sides as much as we can. As frustrating as it can be, my left up putting everything wide, but it is about practice, practice, practice. Um, so yeah, probably mostly kick passing and shooting. Um, maybe that's a personal thing that I need to improve on or want to improve on. Um, so yeah, that'll probably be the main thing. And I don't I'm probably not so good at that and having a routine and just sort of go down. If I'm on my own, it's just more a kick about than anything too structured. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Ed of interest, how do you keep fresh? in the off season as well but as an intercounty County footballer you have so many demands you've got training you know um, you've got club commitments county different things going on how do you stay fresh mentally as well as physically because obviously there's huge demands with all of the training all the running that you guys do but to be you know fresh mentally and still be sharp how do you how difficult is that and what how do you stay sharp
1: Um, I think a big thing for that is obviously you spend a lot of time training you do th- where three nights a week and then two gym sessions so that's five days a week where you there's only two days there that you don't have something on so in terms of keeping fresh mentally I think is like getting away from it like this disconnecting yourself from it sort of which um, I talk I think is a good thing and I think you can't get over consumed by it you can't think about it 24-7 because it's only going to overwhelm you. So I think getting away from it and, like, even I know the day before a match, I like to sort of do something all day and, you know, plan out a day that you're going to be away or you're going to be just doing stuff and seeing people because sometimes maybe the people will ask about it, but it depends who you're with and you maybe don't talk about it. Like, you maybe don't talk about it as much the day before and that sort of helps me. Um, Just, yes... uh, stop thinking about it as much as you can when you're not in it obviously there's a certain level where you have to do your research or like you know you have to watch a certain match and you have to read up in stats or you have to re-watch your match back so obviously I don't mean when you're not in your county training or whatever you're not thinking about it but a good way for me yeah, is disconnect from it um do things that you enjoy, like maybe some people read, some people go for walks, you know, stuff like that. There, Do things that you enjoy and have things that you enjoy outside of playing. Um, try your best to get a hobby or another thing that you like outside of your sport, because if you don't, you have no sort of release from it. You have no time to get away and stop thinking about it because it can become overwhelming whenever you're trying so hard and trying so hard it can nearly go the other way. It can nearly have an effect in terms of it mightn't, the harder you try your performance, your your mental strength, it, it mightn't even get better. So you need to sort of look at things that are going to ease you from that and um, sort of refresh you sort of thing. So for me, like I love even outdoor swims. Like I know there in the summer, if I'm really down and out of out of game, like just go in the lake, we have a lake close to us, Camden Lake um, get in the lake, have a quick swim, it might only be a dip in and out but fresh open water beach, I remember after our Dublin semi-final two years ago we got beat um, the next day and that was in the winter, that was December, me and Amy with well, our family went down to the, it was freezing <laughs> um, our whole family were just going down to Carlingford for the day sort of thing anyways but we took ourselves stuff with us straight into the open water and it just sort of these stresses gets the worries of football out of your mind sort of thing. So yeah, if you have the best thing to do is to have something that you enjoy that sort of relieves you from any stresses because inter-county football, it can be stress stressful in a way in terms of you mightn't always be performing at your best. You mightn't always be at a hundred percent, but you need a sort of a way to retract yourself and sort of go again and be able to go again. Cause if you get too down about it, it's never going to, you're never gonna progress, sort of thing.
0: Yeah. How do you find coming off the pitch, um, and kind of having that no regrets kind of thing? And I've kind of put it in nearly air quotes, as in, I think it's someone said to me recently. It was um, Eve McDermott, Irish senior rugby player, and she was like, oh, like as a high performer, you never come off the pitch with no regrets." Do you find that that there's always something else you could have done on the pitch? It, particularly, even after a win. How do you find that?
1: Yeah. No. Definitely. Like you're, you're always sort of. Um, critical on yourself I suppose um, and if you're not you're not really going to progress you have to be um, and to get better like you, there's no perfect performance everybody makes a mistake at some stage in 60 minutes of football so to get better you have to look at the things you've done bad as well as the things you've done good so as much as you always say before a game play with no regrets you're always going to maybe make a mistake that you're like why did they do that or whatever? It's it's not necessarily a regret. It's a mistake, but the whole thing about no regrets to me more means giving it your all, giving a hundred percent, trying your best. It doesn't necessarily mean that the mistakes don't count in that sort of thing for me because maybe it was out of your control. It was just a you know an error, like a human error. We all make them. So um, the no regrets for me. Um, I would only have regrets if I came off a game, and I have before plenty of times. If I come off thinking I didn't give hundred percent, or there was more in me, or anything like that, there. Um, but yeah, in terms of mistakes, you're always going to be critical, and you're always going to overanalyze them and think why why did I do that, or what was I even thinking? Did you know, there was a better option on. Um, but yeah, I think that's just sort of constructive um, more so than anything because you can't just look at your matches and pick out all the good and think you're amazing do you know it doesn't it doesn't help anyone and it doesn't definitely doesn't make you better mm-hmm.
0: yeah how do you measure a successful performance then is it that coming off the pitch being like yeah i gave 100 percent, and i can i've l- left everything out because i'm exhausted or is there any other elements you look for
1: yeah no definitely i am um, Given 100% is probably the main one for me because you do get games and you've come off at the end feeling like they completely passed you by and that you, you weren't in it or whatever may the reason be and again after that you go and analyze what was that was it my nutrition was it my sleep was it did I not get myself geared up enough for this game or whatever it may be so for me the main thing is the giving it your all like if I and not that it ha- has only happened a few times but I've try to make it only happen happen a few times if I notice it in a game that I'm not fully there, you try to switch it around and sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. But um, the main thing for performance measure would be uh, working hard, giving it your all and did you do what your manager asked you to do in a team sport? That's probably one of the most important things. And if I came off the field and I had completely went against the game plan, then that's not successful. Even if I did work hard all day, if I didn't do what the manager had asked me to do, then, yeah, no, it probably wouldn't be successful. And then obviously you have your measures when you go to watch it back, like how many successful hand passes, kick passes, scores, wides, do you know, what what the output of it all was, is obviously a measure of it as well. But I think firstly, you have to look at the the input and that's your work rate and you know your preparation and stuff like that there so that's the probably a few of the main things there
0: brilliant would you have a particular routine you do before every game or do you like to change it up or how do you how do you approach a game
1: And um, yeah so obviously it um depends on time stays whatever and um, like some saturday games there you might be working on the friday so you only really have your evening free like a sunday game probably try and go and do something on the Saturday you know meet up with friends or meet up with somebody just sort of to get out of the house as they say and um, try not to think about it too much obviously you do have to look after your nutrition and um, so that plays a part in what you do the day before so you have your nutrition planned out for the whole day and um, you know what times you're eating at, you know what you're eating you have everything sort of pre-planned so that that affects or disrupts your day a wee bit just in terms of you have to be eating at a certain time, but yeah, you work around that. And yeah, I would try to get away and maybe get out for a walk just so you're not slumped on the couch all day. I know you have to rest and stuff like that there, but lying on the couch I think just makes you lethargic. Maybe not for some people, but I, I remember one game for whatever reason, i had lay on the couch majority of the day just, and I remember that night going to the match and I could couldn't run really. anyway I think I was only like 16 but I remember it stuck out to me because I was like I'm never doing that again like you know what? like I couldn't move but yeah I think you do sort of keep yourself a wee bit active during the day and yeah so just get out fresher meet up with some friends if there's a match on down in the club I would go down and do it and yeah sort of take your mind off things
0: yeah i'd be the same as you i can't i i know if i if i kind of lie around the day the day of the game or even i find if you're training two days before i'm i kind of like a not a tough session but a moderate session to kind of keep the legs moving some some people like a light session it's so individualized it it really depends on every single person
1: it really does and as you say like some people want to go and get a good wee sweat on sort of thing and get a good wee loosen her out. Some people, like, I would sort of feel a bit the same, like, you like a few hard runs in there, just to open the legs up, stretch them out, and, um, you know, it's not going to be too much that your legs are going to be sore, but just a wee bit of something, yeah, and that's it, it's completely individual, and that's probably the struggle with a team sport, because it can't be completely individual, it has to be what your coach says or whatever, and he's doing what he knows best in terms of his scientific research sort of thing um, and that's probably the most difficult part because yet yeah, some people want to take it easy some people want a good wee quick and sharp set session more so I would think the training session before a game um, but yeah it just is so individual and it's uh, before a match everybody's completely different some people might like to sit in the house all day and completely think 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 what they're going to do and that there but yeah it depends and I think it does that's the main thing is working out what works for you to be able to perform your best like some people like I do want to sort of get away from it and just relax and do not talk about it too much others want to talk about it and think about what they're going to do and have to have everything down to a tee like you know that's so it is just about testing the waters in different games that you're preparing for prepare differently and see what works for you sort of thing
0: exactly would you would you still get nervous before a game where are you kind of now calm and cool, collected
1: no definitely still nervous um i don't know if that ever leaves i think it's the it's the pressure it's everything else sort of you know your expectations be a lot on yourself so you never want to go out and do yourself or your team and injustice so i think that makes the nerves um and Nerves are a good thing, like it means you care. That would sort of be my opinion and people maybe have just got ways of dealing with it better. Um, I just think for me, the nerves are because they care and because I want to go out and do my best and I think it's sort of the same for a lot of people, um, that's the main reason that they're there. Um, but yeah, it's sort of about trying to control them so that it doesn't affect your performance. And I know in my time playing football, it definitely has affected my performance more so when I was younger. Um, and it is just see them as sort of the other things we we're speaking about is trial and error, what works for you, what takes the nerves away, And what settles the nerves, maybe doesn't take them away, but what settles them so that it doesn't affect when you go out onto the pitch and I think a big thing is sort of for me anyways is once you get the first touch on the ball that's you not not that the nerves are necessarily gone but it's game on sort of thing and so yeah it's just about getting your hands on the ball early and going from there
0: yeah exactly that's something that came up in a very early episode with David Toner he was saying that I think someone gave him advice it was Get the hand pass, get get a ball first, and hand pass it off, and just get your your first touch in, and your nerve will settle down. I know the result didn't go your way, but what was it like playing in Crow Park for the first time?
1: Yeah, it was class. Like it's sort of the dream, isn't it? But yeah, as you said, the result didn't go the way, so it's, it dampened the day a bit. But at the same time, you can't you can't sort of underestimate the significance of going and playing there because it is such a big deal and. Um, yeah, as much as the whole day wasn't a great day, it was it was a good thing to get to play in Crow Park because as I said, and I think I said it to whenever my brothers were getting their first days out, like that's what you want to do, that's where you want to be. Like, do you know? And we're lucky to get the opportunity and we've got that far. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a different ball game in Cro- Croke Park. Like um, but uh, it was amazing, to be honest, and we're lucky we got a good wee bit of sport out from Armagh and across the county. But it's just unfortunate the performance as a whole didn't follow on the day. But you know it's something to work on, and it's good that we've got there and it's done sort of the first ones out of the way, sort of thing um, in Crow Park, anyways. And you know it only gives us more motivation to get back there, whether it be in another league final next year. But hopefully hopefully you'll be looking for an All-Island final this year in the ideal world.
0: Yeah, exactly. Out of interest, I've asked a couple of people this question. Are you mo- more vo- motivated by a setback, say, that, say for example, losing a game or by success? What is it for you?
1: Um, It's that's a difficult one. I, don't, I think probably by a loss. It's sort of different mm-hmm. because I would say maybe by a loss because it's sort of, get out to prove your point, like get out to show that's not the team that you are. Um, and I think you learn a lot from a loss. So um, probably yeah, from a loss, but in the, same, in the same sense in a success as well, because it's a motivating factor. Like you're, when you're winning, you're on a high. And like when everyone's on high and everyone's happy, your football is better. So it's completely contrasting reasons, but um. I'm going to say a loss at the minute because we've just experienced one not so long ago.
0: Yeah, good point. Uh, out of interest, I thought 2020 was the year that both years exploded onto the scene. Obviously, that Cork win previously was a was a big factor, I think, for Armagh as well. Do you think, how much did that season uh, and coming so close to WNO, the I know that it didn't go your way again, but getting to that level, getting to that game and kind of moving on from that how much do you think is that kind of helped your squad kind of look for look forward to you know maybe getting to an iron final and kind of seeing seeing kind of what it takes
1: as well yeah no definitely it was massive for us that year 2020 was uh brilliant and as you say getting to play against Dublin who at the time were the best in Ireland um so yeah it definitely is a huge it was a huge thing and is a huge thing for our team especially this team because from that team, there's so many players that are still there. i trying to think. I would say everybody, basically, right, okay. um, is still there. So, like, when you think that was two years ago, like, there was maybe 19-year-olds playing then, like, you know, who are 21 now and stuff like that there. So, like, two years makes a big difference. And when you get experiences like that at such a young age, like, maybe there was one or two 19-year-olds at the time, a couple of – Twenty years, twenty one. You know, to get them experiences against the top teams at such a young age is is massive. Like because you're learning from such a young age, and it's it's a big deal. And um, probably for our team was like I mean, maybe a realization of the standard and the levels and um, sort of thing because we're obviously playing in Division Two, so we're not playing against the likes of Dublin, the likes of Me, the likes of Cork week in week out. Um, which is maybe why we haven't reached that level yet. And that's obviously we really are focusing on winning the league and getting up to division one. Um, but yeah, it, it's a big deal for us in the championship to get teams like that and draw teams like that because we're not getting them tests in division two, even though it's a very difficult division, you don't get to play the very top teams. So um. Know when you get into your All Ireland, you want to be playing the teams like that. And as long as much as it didn't come out the right side of it, it sort of sort of set the standard and showed you how far away, but actually how close you are to. Um, so it is definitely a big learning curve. And the same as last year with me, like we take a lot out of it, and every year you're learning. And you know, we were beat by the two All Ireland champions the past two years in a row, and not by cricket scores. So it shows it shows that we're not far away, but it also tells you the work that needs to be done. And when you sort of look back at the stats and watch back the games, um, if a couple of different things had gone a different way or, you know, stuff not in terms of referees, in terms of our decision making and stuff like that there, um, you know, it could have been a completely turnaround and it could have been a completely different season. Do you know that sort of way? um. But yeah, no, the experiences you get playing against the top teams is second to none and it only sort of motivates the whole team.
0: Out of interest, for someone like myself or, um, that hasn't played against Division 1 or Division 2 teams, What is do you think is the difference between the, the Division 2 and Division 1 teams? Is there anything that you can kind of put your finger on that just makes them that bit more elite?
1: Probably the pace and the intensity, I would say. like I remember playing against Dublin that year and um, particularly Dublin was that you didn't get as much time on the ball you weren't you weren't on the ball a split second and you were, everyone was around you like a rash sort of thing and probably in the role that I had been playing there was sort of certain times throughout the season that you did maybe get a bit of space around the middle or somebody wasn't tackling you for a bit of time or whatever and then you got to that game and that was probably the difference definitely, like you just didn't get a single second to make up your mind, you had to be thinking before you got the ball what you were going to do because you were just going to be tackled straight away and tackled hard, um, so yeah probably the intensity and then once you're in that, like you have to match it and you have to sort of do what they're doing and um, sort of give it back to them in a sense, like you have to press them How you have to be intense with them so that's probably the main thing and then the skill level as well is the other thing. There's no room for error in terms of you know breaking out of a defence or you know a miss kick in the forward line sort of thing for a shot. There's no room for them errors when you're playing against Division One because. They go down the field. They put it over the bar straight away, and that's basically two points lost because you've missed a point and they've scored a point. So it's a two-point turnaround. Like um, that is probably the main difference is the intensity and the skill level. You don't you don't get away with as much in terms of how hard the tackle you, and then you don't get away with any silly errors either.
0: Good point. Out of interest then, um, what do you think is your best position? You obviously won an All-Star in 2020 and I think your position has always kind of moved around a little bit, but what do you see as your strongest or even most favourite position?
1: Um, At the minute, I'm enjoying midfield and I've always played midfield for my club. So it's probably my favourite position, but like when I was minors, I was half-back and I was in half-back for seniors for a while. And I think it definitely depends on the team. Um. I'm just not quite good at one position, so they just had to move. <laughs> they had to move me there. his was fierce. <laughs> um, no, like I, I, I think it depends on the team, I like, can it depends what the the manager wants you to do or the role he wants you to do. Like, whenever I was halfback for miners, it was an attacking halfback, Tommy Coleman playing. So that was the role he wanted me to do. That's where he he thought I could be strongest. That's where he wanted me as the team. Um. But yeah, I'm I'm enjoying midfield at the minute. And I think I prefer midfield just because I've probably played it more consistently for my club um than anything else. But in the county, I'm I'm happy to get a jersey and do what needs to be done. Um if that means being in the halfback, I'll be a halfback. And you know, it is it definitely makes it a wee bit difficult in terms of you're trying to adjust to a position and then you might get changed. But I think that uh, like adaptability is good and um, because in any given game maybe a yellow card you have to go back so I'm glad that I I was putting those positions and do you know what one day, one time I was playing full forward for Armagh oh wow I don't have the shooting boots for that so, <laughs> so that was <laughs> short-lived but you know um, I have sort of played in a variety of positions I think the only place I haven't been for Armagh's nets um, maybe next year maybe next year <laughs> I don't know I'll be running away from the ball um, but yeah the it is definitely the adaptability and the, the that side of it that I've got from playing the, the different positions has helped me because Joe, you know, no matter what position you are football's a football you know you have to do the same thing with it in the full back line as you do in the forward line so um, yeah no I'm glad they sort of done that with me coming up because as a 16-year-old, I wouldn't have been able to play midfield for Armand and Division 1, you know, would have been too young, for too weak. Um, and it sort of gave me, being able to sort of fill into all the positions that I maybe didn't need as much strength in, um, I was able to sort of break myself in to that sort of role. And it's only really this year that I have settled into it that's not to say the next game item might be moving Well,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah we keep an eye on that for that bit of interest our mom made history first um ladies side to have their own ground how big how big is that for you as players to not only have that facility but to see this happening for the ladies side of things because th- there's been so much there been so many issues we won't get into it that's a podcast <laughs> in itself with with the with the problems with ladies football and GA and everything, but how big, big is it for you to see the support for the game and to have your own ground that you know you're going to be training there and you have a set place?
1: Yeah, definitely. It's it's massive. And yeah, thank God for Shania Ruler, chairwoman, because only for her, she um, she wouldn't have... We, we wouldn't have had what we have. And, you know, it is such a big deal because... Um, as you say, it's the first one in the country and stuff like that there. But for us personally, like we maybe had a training night there and we'd train the same nights, but there would have been during the day on a Tuesday. We don't know where we're training tonight. We'll keep you posted and you maybe got a message at six o'clock to say we've got this pitch. And especially in the winter time, it's worse clubs can be reluctant to give their pitch up because obviously they're trying to keep it good and the winter months are pretty grim. Um, But at the same time, you're like, we need somewhere to train. So can anybody help us out? And we're very lucky that Silverbridge, a club, um, helped us out as well for that. But yeah, you know, having the base now is brilliant because you don't have them issues. Nobody is worried about not having a pitch or not being able to train because of no pitch. So um, yeah, you know, it has helped us massively. And even just as a hub for our underage, you know, the underage can come to training. They can be training before us some nights there. And, you know, for them, like I know it's, younger maybe seeing the senior team training it was a big deal for them sort of seeing the county team senior county team is where they want to be it's it's visualized for them it's not just it's not just a photo on facebook they see us maybe it might only be once a month that we're in the same place at the same time but you know it's good for the underage and definitely um would hope that it sort of pushes them on to be like that's where i want to be sort of thing
0: brilliant yeah it's all about seeing it's like that saying can see can't be it's yeah. totally like for them to see you guys is is amazing if there's anyone listening that's kind of at that teenage age group might be in younger teams under 14 16 minor is there a particular checklist without being too formal about what it takes to play intercounty football at the adult level
1: um probably just like your work rate and obviously your your skills sort of progress as you get older but more down to your work rate and your attitude, I think, is the big thing for adult county level. The other things, um, the other things like skill and sort of decision making and stuff, there they'll be trained as you get older. But the one thing that you have to sort of have from within is to work hard and a good attitude. Um, there's going to be times coaches ask you to do things that you don't necessarily want to do, whether it be running or whether it be a system. But uh, in my opinion. Nearly any system can work if ever, any if the whole team buys into it. Um, if you have one person goes astray and does their own thing, it's it's impossible to work. Whereas any system that a manager at senior county level gives you should work and will work if everybody buys into it. So that's a sort of attitude thing, and um, just about like not thinking you're bigger than the team, knowing that everything you do is for the team, sort of thing. And then yeah, work rate. if you have that internally, then. They are two massive things that are very important for to be a senior intercounty player. Brilliant. Overall, throughout your career, who, who's been your toughest opponent so far? Um, Dublin, probably. Ladies, yeah.
0: Is there any specific player that you've kind of battled with throughout
1: the years, or? Um, because of my positional changes, no. <laughs> I kind of removed. moved. Um, I know, um, there's always a few players that you love to play against who are very tough. I remember Lindsay Davey in particular. Like she was brilliant. Um, Definitely a good standard to get yourself to sort of thing. Um, I remember her particularly, yeah.
0: Yeah, she's pretty much a standout uh, even now. Out of interest throughout your whole career, I've asked a couple of people this question. What's been the biggest lesson you've learned from sport?
1: Uh, to never give up, probably. Um, Even when everything's down and out there nearly meant to be down the night like there's always a chance if you if you give it your all brilliant
0: uh, obviously you still have a long career ahead of you for the team for yourself what are the goals uh, over, for this coming year and over the next couple of years with And
1: um, yeah, know take it match by match at the minute now that you're in full Follow on in championship season, it's match for match. So the next one for us is the Ulster final, and who we play is yet to be known. But um, yeah, no, just focusing on performance and then hoping the result will follow. So that's the main thing for the rest of this season, taking it to each game as it comes and focusing on that. But as an overall, like obviously we're we're pushing a big one is the league. We want to push on further next year and hopefully win it. Um, and then in the championship. Again, I think it's sort of about progression. So we got to the semifinal year before we sort of dipped last year. It was quarterfinal knockout. Next year, you want to try and keep getting better than you did the previous year. Um, in terms of performance levels, in terms of results, in terms of everything. So probably pushing on from that, you know, you'll be looking at a semifinal final spot. And, you know, obviously the, the main goal is to win an All-Ireland in the coming years, hopefully.
0: Brilliant. I'm going to move on to the sideline seven. You've been so generous with your time. It's the same seven questions at the end of every episode. A question one, what is your favourite quote?
1: Um, Get up, you can be sore in the morning. Oh, brilliant. Who said that one? John Rafferty uh, from St Paul's School.
0: Okay, very good. Question two, what's the best sporting event you've been to? And you can pick one as a fan and one as a player.
1: Probably the All-Ireland Final. The men's is probably the and the ladies as well. The two days are are amazing like for me. Brilliant.
0: Question three, what's been the biggest setback or challenge so far in your career and how did you react to it?
1: Probably the first time I didn't start in a championship match for Armagh um, because of an injury a wee bit but I was back fit and just due to not training enough probably before I didn't start um, but reacting to it, yeah, it was just sort of whenever I did get the chance to come on the field to sort of prove that you want your position back.
0: Brilliant. Kind of on the flip side, then, what's been your biggest achievement on or off the pitch so far?
1: On the pitch, would probably be the Ulster title. With Armagh, was a big one. Um, last year's one, and then the Ulster and All Ireland runway that we got on with our club, it was massive for us. Um, in twenty sixteen, at intermediate level, and then probably off the field, just the school side of things. You know, a degree and a master's was a big achievement for me.
0: Fantastic. Uh, looking back, what advice would you give your 18-year-old self?
1: Um, To just not stress out. It'll <laughs> we'll all work out and you do you. <laughs> That's it. <what I'm> <laughs> uh,
0: who would be your dream dinner guest and why? You can open up the table to a few people if you want.
1: Um, Probably get Adele. I love Adele. She seems like a crack, so she could be singing and providing a bit of the entertainment. <laughs> um. <laughs> In terms of footballer, Messi probably Messi. I love to, I enjoy watching him. And then Gaelic footballer probably one of the Armagh too. <laughs> yeah. Are you are we are you cooking? Are you
0: getting a takeaway? What are you thinking?
1: Takeaway definitely. <laughs>
0: what, what's your go-to? And in the off-season now, if anyone listening,
1: <laughs> pizza always pizza.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Final question before I let you go: If your life was a book, what chapter would this be called?
1: Figuring it out.
0: Figuring it out. Brilliant. Blahian, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I want to wish you the best of luck with everything uh, with the upcoming season and beyond. And thanks again.
1: No bother. Thanks for having me.
0: A massive thank you to Blahin for joining me on the podcast today. I thoroughly enjoyed our chat and I hope you got something from it. I'll be sure to leave our social media in the links in the description box below. And I just want to wish you the very best of luck with the rest of the championship. If you are enjoying the podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd leave a rating and a review over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as it does help the show grow. A big thank you to Phil Greens for sponsoring the episode, and to you for listening.